Last week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell proudly announced that sending billions of dollars to Ukraine was the number one priority for Republicans. During a press conference in which he celebrated passing a massive $1.7 trillion spending package. The longtime GOP figurehead was one of the central players responsible for engineering the disastrous 2022 midterms. After redirecting crucial campaign funds away from promising candidates like Blake Masters in Arizona because he was not content to parrot tired establishment talking points. The Republican base has understood for a long time that McConnell is a disgrace, but despite Mitch's betrayal of GOP voters at every opportunity, he sits comfortably ensconced in his position of power. The Kentucky senator acts against the wishes and interests of conservatives on a regular basis without any fear of losing his seat or his leadership position. If popular sovereignty allows the people to hold leaders accountable, why is someone so reviled by his own base so confident in the safety of his power? In his book Political Parties, Robert McKells explored the behavior of representative governments and why their voters seem to have a difficult time holding them accountable. The political theorist begins by making some observations that might seem obvious but for some reason are quickly forgotten whenever the pundit class starts debating the motivations of political actors. According to McKell's, no organization is ever ruled by the entire body of that organization. Be it a church, a bowling league, a business, or a political party, an organized minority of members always takes control of the institution. Even when the organizations are earnestly constructed on the principle of democratic input and accountability to the body of members, a central group of leaders always emerges who actually guides the actions of the organization. The natural fact of leadership is not itself an indictment of democracy. The emergence of a leadership class is a universal feature of human endeavor, and the Founding Fathers were not blind to this fact. They organize the republic around representative and not direct democracy, understanding that in a nation the size of the United States, it was impossible to run the government without a set of leaders who, at least for a time, dedicate their attention to operating the state in the interests of the people. If over time, however, as the franchise expands and the democratic influence over the republic increases, the interests of the leadership class becomes less and not more aligned with the interests of the average voter, then the feasibility of popular sovereignty may be called into question. If the democratic process inevitably leads to the installation of a leadership class completely insulated from the consequences of that process, is democracy even possible? As McHale's studied socialist worker parties in Europe, the major democratic force of his time, he noticed a consistent pattern emerging. Average laborers with a gift for oration were consistently elevated by their fellow working class party members to speak and organize on behalf of the collective. These trade union organizers often had humble backgrounds and genuine interests aligned with those who elevated them. As the organization becomes more complex and its management more demanding, these gifted individuals had to become specialists who devoted their time to the operation of the party and leave their previous lives as daily laborers. This change in vocation was their first break from the interests of the workers, but would be far from the last. These professional representatives quickly discovered that they could not achieve the ends their constituents demanded with the meager power they had. 
so the acquisition of additional power became the new goal. The interest of gaining more power was often at odds with the immediate interest of their constituents, but it could be justified because in the long term, the purpose of acquiring power was ultimately to deliver on the promises leadership had made to party members. The more expertise and power the representatives acquired, the more indispensable they seemed to be to the ends of the party, even as their own interests diverged more and more radically from those of the people they theoretically served. According to McKell's, quote, The democratic masses are thus compelled to submit to a restriction of their own wills when they are forced to give their leaders an authority which is in the long run destructive to the very principle of democracy. The leader's principal source of power is found in their indispensability. One who is indispensable has in his power all the lords and masters of the earth. The history of the working class parties continually furnishes instances in which the leader has been in flagrant contradiction with the fundamental principles of the movement, but in which the rank and file have not been able to make up their minds to draw the logical consequences of this conflict, because they feel that they cannot get along without the leader and cannot dispense with the qualities he has acquired in virtue of the very position to which they have themselves elevated him, and because they do not see their way to find an adequate substitute. Numerous are the parliamentary orators and trade union leaders who are in opposition to the rank and file at once theoretically and practically, and who nonetheless continue to think and act tranquilly on behalf of the rank and file. End quote. While it may feel odd for conservatives to relate to a European workers' party in the early 1900s, the description of how a leadership class separates from the interests of its voters should sound strikingly familiar. The situation for the Republican base is even more dire, as most of the base would be willing to replace McConnell, but the skill, power, and connections that he has acquired have made him all but invulnerable to the democratic process. Instead of making himself indispensable to the GOP base, he's made himself indispensable to his fellow Republican politicians, and more importantly, to the donor class that funds them. Mitch McConnell has insulated himself by prioritizing the needs of the oligarchical class that actually drives the agenda of the GOP over the needs of the voters that legitimate the Republicans through popular sovereignty. This phenomenon is not unique to Mitch McConnell, the GOP, or American politics, but is rather an inescapable fact of the human condition. That's why McHale sums up this natural tendency of social organization as the iron law of oligarchy. Democratic systems, just like all human governments, will ultimately be led by an elite class capable of more complex organization the superior organization of that elite class will always allow it to insulate itself from the popular will of the average citizen in some way. Now, the social scientists did not see this as a reason to abandon the effort to reduce, as much as possible, the autocratic tendencies of human organization. But his observations instead stand as a warning about a critical aspect of all societies. Every nation will be run by a set of elites, and forgetting this truth allows the ruling class members to hide the truth about their power and their motivations. 
an elite will always emerge to lead in every civilization. The important questions are, do their interests align with the good of those they watch over? And can they be held accountable if the answer is no? Thanks for watching guys. If you enjoyed this video, go ahead and click like. If this is your first time on the channel, it's a great time to go ahead and subscribe. This video is based on a piece that first appeared on The Blaze. If you want to go ahead and read my articles as soon as they come out, you should check out The Blaze. You can also go ahead and subscribe to my Substack, The Total State, which will alert you whenever I write an article and will allow you to read my rough draft chapters for my upcoming book that I kind of release whenever they're done. A new one should be coming out in the next week or two. You can go ahead and follow the links in the description if you want to subscribe. You'll also find links to things like my Twitter, my Rumble, my Odyssey, my Gab, all that kind of stuff if you want to follow me on those platforms. And there's also the links for Apple, Spotify. You can get this as a podcast at any of the major podcasting platforms. And if you do subscribe to this as a podcast, I really appreciate the rating and the review. That really helps with all the algorithms and everything. Thanks for watching, guys. I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a great New Year, and as always, I'll talk to you next time.